Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Good evening, everyone. What a week we have had here at Bangor Worldwide. We have heard from people from all over the world, as Keith was praying, people who have been so committed to their convictions, who have set up hundreds of house churches, people who have been imprisoned for their faith, people who head up international organizations. We are encouraged, we are challenged, we are inspired. Well, a confession from the outset, I have never done any of those things. As Keith reminded you there, I am a local girl. I've never been imprisoned. I haven't set up hundreds of house churches. I don't run an international organization. I'm 32. I live in East Belfast with my husband and my son. I love my church. I love building relationships. I like occasionally running and going to ballet class. However, I also work for International Justice Mission. Based, uh, I'm based in Belfast, and I come here representing a really large movement of people all over the world who are passionate about tackling violence against the poor and particularly ending the slavery of people. I represent the largest anti-slavery organisation in the world with about a thousand investigators, lawyers, administrators, social workers, communicators and activists. I represent the 40,000 individuals whom we have rescued from situations of abuse and exploitation. And so I hope that what I have to share tonight will continue to challenge, encourage and inspire. When I say modern slavery, I wonder what you think of. Transatlantic slave ships, cotton plantations, John Newton. All true, but in IJM we see the brick kilns of modern-day Chennai. We see children who are put online in front of cameras in the Philippines and broadcast on the internet all over the world. We see boys on fishing boats in Ghana, and we see girls cramped together in the brothels of Kolkata or Santo Domingo. The Global Slavery Index's latest report estimates that there are now 45.8 million people enslaved around the world. That's about three and a half times the number of people captured and sold as slaves by professional traders between the 15th and 19th centuries. So what is the reality of slavery today? Rupa had a really happy life in Bangalore, India, with her parents and her brother. But when she was six, her parents got new jobs in a brick kiln and life changed really dramatically. Instead of getting manageable work and good pay, Rupa's family was forced to mould and haul thousands of heavy bricks each day, starting about two o'clock in the morning, finishing up about 9pm in the evening. Children had jobs too, pushing carts with, laden with sand, which meant they had no time for school, for rest or for play. And if a family missed their thousand bricks a day daily quota, they faced vicious beatings and verbal abuse. We didn't have a lot to eat, Rupa remembers. The kiln owner was really cruel and abusive. 
and taunted them by eating really good food and rich meals in front of their small homes and even sexually harassed the young women in the kiln. Ripper remembers through tears seeing her own mother assaulted with no one there to help. A marriage was arranged for Ripper to a young man who also had grown up as a slave. His name was Benaya. They loved each other despite their difficult circumstances. At 16 years old, Ripa became pregnant with her first child. She was still forced to work throughout her pregnancy, and her tasks were relentlessly hard. During her eighth month of pregnancy, an accident in the kiln sent her into an early labour, and for a day and a half, she was in excruciating pain. She bled, she cried, and then at the end delivered a stillborn child. She herself barely survived. But within one week, she was back working again in the kiln. She became pregnant again a few years later. And Benaya, as her husband, decided that he would take on the task of making both their quotas of bricks every day so that she could rest. And he said, no matter what happens to me, you won't work. We have already lost one child and I don't want to lose another. And they had a son, Vijay. One night as Rupa cooked their meal, she asked her husband plainly, what are we going to do? If we stay in this situation, your son will be in the same situation as you for the rest of his life and nobody will be able to help him. And so bravely they made the decision to leave and they escaped late one night and ran and desperately hid in the forests nearby. For six months they survived there selling firewood. They lived in constant fear that they would be discovered by the kiln owner and forced back to work. One day they had to sneak back into the village as uh, Vijay needed a doctor. Benaya left Rupa and Vijay to go and find food for them. And at that point, the kiln owner actually did spot Rupa and her child and took them forcefully back to the kiln and made Rupa immediately go back to work. When Benaya discovered what had happened, he was frantic. What was he going to do? So what is the reality of slavery today? Slavery is cruelty. It is being trapped, being afraid, worrying for the future of your children and how to look after your precious family. Cassie is the youngest of 12 siblings. And she lived in a remote province in the Philippines, a place where, uh, with indigenous people who have their own tribal leader and customs. Life was hard for a long time, no electricity, no currency, no technology, no way to vote or participate in society. And so to help her family with money, Cassie left school at 12 and helped her mother by working as a maid for another family. It was during this time that she met AJ, a family friend. At first, AJ seemed like a godsend from the capital city of Manila, a place none of them had ever been. He told her parents that he could give her a better future, sending her to school and treating her like a daughter. When first I met AJ, he's telling me that Manila is very nice. I wanted to go to Manila because he told me that he could help me reach all my dreams there. That's what Cassie said. At first it was good. AJ bought Cassie nice things and she got to go to school. But of course, it was all a lie and a trap. He was running a cyber sex trafficking operation out of his home and Cassie was not his only victim. He preyed on the children of family, friends and vulnerable teenage neighbours to create a fake family. 
He appeared to neighbours as a benevolent father figure, sending the kids to school, posting photos of pool parties and vacations on Facebook. His home in a low socioeconomic neighbourhood became a hotspot in a global network of online predators. And this is the disturbing reality of cyber sex trafficking. The barriers to entry are really low and the profits and margin, profit margins are really high. AJ would abuse the girls and broadcast it online. He collected money from customers who tuned in from all over the world. He would arrange for people to come as tourists to visit the girls. My recruiter hurt me every day when I do something bad that he doesn't like. If I don't follow him, he's going to hurt me. Cassie wanted to die. So what is the reality of slavery today? Slavery is being taken advantage of. It is having no control over your own body. It is desperation. As I read Psalm 10, it's a description of the wicked man. I can see a description of slavery. The wicked man or the slave owner boasts, lies, threatens, lies in wait for his victims, crushing them. It says he catches the helpless and drags them off in his net. It's not easy reading. The Bible gives us a really realistic picture of what people are capable of. The late Stephen Covey, the author, talked about our paradigms, how we view the world, our perceptions, our understanding, our interpretation. Our perceptions often dictate our behaviour and attitudes. We very often assume that the way that we see the world is accurate. It is how it is or it's how it should be. But the truth is we aren't objective and we bring our conditioning into everything that we see. But we can experience a paradigm shift. We can change our perceptions. Until the germ theory was developed, for example, a high percentage of women and children died during childbirth and no one could understand, understand why. And in wars, men were often dying from small wounds and diseases, more even than from major traumas on the front lines. But as soon as the germ theory was developed, a whole new paradigm, a better and improved way of understanding what was happening, made dramatic steps forward possible. And why am I telling you this? Well, I believe that we need a paradigm shift in the way that we view violence and particularly how we view slavery. Some of us will hear about slavery tonight and we'll say it's not true. It can't be true. We can't conceive of a world where children, the same age as our children or our grandchildren, could be treated so cruelly. We need to have a paradigm shift because the truth is slavery does exist and it is terrible. Some of us will hear about slavery and we will say that the answer is to tackle poverty. If people aren't so poor, they wouldn't make certain choices, they wouldn't end up enslaved. But in this as well, we need a paradigm shift. A colleague of mine, Sanjay McWan, who oversees our work in, North, in India, tackling sexual exploitation, he was here a few months ago and he said that it is not, people are not enslaved because of their poverty, but because of the actions of those enslaving them. My poverty does not force you to exploit me. In our efforts to tackle slavery, we can't forget that slave owners around the world are taking advantage of people, preying on the most vulnerable, using violence, using fear, using threats. And in IGM, we believe that when laws are enforced, violence does stop. Some of us will hear about slavery and will be tempted towards despair. Our media does not help us in this. We feel the problem is too big. It's too pervasive. 
Our efforts to stop it are just too small. And in this, friends, most of all, we need a paradigm shift. Slavery is big, but it is not bigger than our God. Our God is mighty to save. I quoted from Psalm 10 earlier, but it doesn't end with the description of the wicked man. It goes on to say, But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed so that mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror. Our God loves justice and is compassionate toward those who are vulnerable and exploited. He sees, he cares, and he takes action. And the exciting part is that he gives us the privilege of partnering with him in this work of bringing about justice. In IJM, we are really excited that we've been able to see shifts in communities around the world when slavery is tackled in a holistic way. In the Philippines, for example, we worked to tackle the sexual exploitation of minors in three main cities in the Cebu area. For four years, our undercover investigators put together information on situations of exploitation. We took that information to the local police. We worked with them to rescue young victims. Our social workers cared for those we rescued, and our lawyers fought those cases through the court system to get convictions against criminals. We worked with the government and we helped the police to set up an anti-trafficking task force. When independent auditors went in at the beginning of the four-year period and at the end, we hoped to find a 20% reduction in the number of minors found in the brothels in those cities. And instead, we found a 79% reduction. Wow, change is possible. In Cambodia, where Helen lives and works, Helen you'll hear from uh, just after, after me, over a period of years, we found that minors under the age of 16 now make up less than 1% of people available for sex on the streets in three major cities. Change is possible. God is at work. Benaiah was desperate to help his wife and son. He went to different people in the village and eventually came across an organisation that could help him. This small organisation had been trained by IJM on how to, respect, to respond to slavery just one week before. God is so good. So they were able to go to the brick kiln along with the police and rescue Rupa and Vijay. They now live in freedom. Benaya has a good job and is able to support his family. Vijay is growing into a healthy boy. They will graduate from our freedom training later on this year. What about Cassie? After five years with AJ, Cassie was rescued by the police along with IJM. She was taken to a safe place where she was able to uh, hope again and to heal. It's not an easy process, but Cassie is determined and even had the courage to testify against AJ in court. She says... What gives me hope is first God, because he's my father who is there for me always. And let's us declare the same, that even in the face of the evil of modern day slavery, we can say that our hope first is in God. In IJM, we are so encouraged by what we're seeing God do, but we know that there's further to go. Our desire is to slay the giant of modern slavery. 
For that, we need great partnerships with local governments and police forces. We need effective aftercare for survivors. We need to work with lots more organisations. We need more resources to do all of this with. But most of all, we believe we need to pray. If we want to end slavery, we need a miraculous move of God. And we pray every day in our offices for about one hour because we believe that we need God to go before us. We need him to prepare us. We need him to break down many barriers, the many barriers we face and obstacles that stand before us. And so we ask you to join us in this move of prayer. Commit to praying for us because there are still families like Rupa and Benaya who are enslaved and bringing up their children as slaves. Pray for us because we have undercover investigators looking for evidence in the darkest of places right now. Pray with us because there are children being put in front of cameras to make money for others as we speak. Pray with us because we know that God is compassionate and loves all those he has made. If you would like to pray with us and make this commitment, we've put uh, cards on your chairs. Please do fill them in and we'll be collecting them in boxes in the foyer on the way out. And just before I finish, I want to share with you some words um, of another client of ours, a girl called Nessa, who was again rescued out of exploitation in a brothel in the Philippines. And she says, if it was all up to me, I would never have been able to make it. However, with the help of other people, while I was in Manila, which is where she was in aftercare, I realized how much God loved me and that my life has meaning. During my time at the aftercare home, I was baptized as a born-again Christian, and I surrendered my life to Christ as my personal saviour. As proof of his presence in my life, God brought people into my life who truly cared about me in order to demonstrate his great love for me. My aftercare home and IJM were instruments made by God to bring meaning to my life again. And when she was asked what she would say to the brothel owner if she had the chance, she said, to change her life for the better while she's in prison. I want the brothel owner to be happy. If she does not repent and give her life to the Lord, she will never be happy. She will carry the evil things she did to us in the brothel with her for the rest of her life. I have truly forgiven her. At first, I was so angry and I blamed her for all the horrible things that have happened to me. She was the reason I was a withered flower. However, I now look back at that time and all the horrible things that have happened, and I'm so very thankful. I am thankful for the brothel owner, because without her, I would never know you. I would never know IJM. I would have never met the people I love so much from my aftercare home. Today, I am a blooming, colourful flower, only as a result of the hardships I have been through. Wow. Only God can transform people and communities in this way. So thank you, and please do pray with us. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.